0: Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now sit back and enjoy the show. His eyes they closed, and his last breath spoke. He had seen all to be seen. A life once full, now an empty vase. Wilt the blossoms on his early grave? Walk away, me boy. Walk away, me boy. And by morning. Wipe that golden tear from your mother dear And raise what's left of the flag for me Then the rosary beads, counting one, two, three, fell apart as they hit the floor In our garb of black, we must pay respect to the colour we're born to mourn Walk away me boys, walk away me boys but my Welcome to episode 54 of McChesney Unchained on the DNVR.com Denver Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Matt McChesney, coming to you from the studio here at 6-0 Football Academy, 6-0 Strength and Fitness, a.k.a. the bridge to your goals where the Dungeon family gets its grind on You are looking at Six Zero Studios right now, and uh, we bring you nothing but the best content here on TheDNVR.com. The top six will be out later today. Uh, My girl Allie's on her way down right now. It is Thursday morning, and we are ready to fucking rock. Episode 54 is going to kick ass. Now, look, we have a lot to talk about uh, from the NCAA to the World Series to the Broncos, to the trade deadline, to NFL players thinking that their feelings actually fucking matter. And boy, are we going to dive headfirst into this today. Uh, So, episode 54 rules, and remember that we're always brought to you by our good friends at 10th and Uni. 10th and Uni is uh, an incredible company that's helped out with a ton of uh of just keeping the big guy clean over here. It helped me out a ton. I'm wearing one of their hats right now. Go to 10 thinunitycom and you can get yourself some really really clean CU Buff gear. It's the best gear out there uh that doesn't have a Nike swoosh on it that's that's team approved. So check out 10 and use the promo code BUFFCLUB and they'll get you a nice discount and get you set up if you're a Colorado Buffalo die hard. Uh like I said, we have a lot to discuss. So look we're going to start episode 54 today with uh, giving back a little bit to the Dungeon family. And it, you know, college football recruiting is something that we do here and we take very seriously. Uh, we've got guys literally falling out of the rafters in here, getting opportunities and more coming this weekend. Uh, just keep your ear to the stone if, if you're a, a fan because there's there's a lot going on. Um, guys going all over the, the state and all over the country really on recruiting trips and we had another commit in here last week. Uh, The fantastic DB and uh, slot receiver, kick returner, overall badass athlete down at Palmer Ridge, Keith Dudley got his commit out of the way and committed to the University of Colorado. I went up there with his family, with, uh, with his mother and his father and Uh, his baby sister, who's adorable, and uh, Coach Tucker, and it was a great meeting. And he's the first commit of his class, and I was the first commit of my class, so it was pretty cool to go full circle there and see him having all that success. Uh, and, And I anticipate Dudley will do huge things up there for Mel Tucker and the Buffaloes and uh, and be part of that culture change up there and build that foundation of greatness and, and get back to the winning way. So now, we've got Dudley and Carson Lee, both committed to the University of Colorado. Carson early enrolls in January, so he'll be out of here soon. Aiden Nakeakea, or Aiden Alphabet, as I call him. My man is going to Notre Dame, and he is about as bad as they come. Uh, Cole Taylor, the big 6'7 tight end from Grand Junction, who's a <clears throat> consummate, worker, great work ethic, blue-collar kid. Uh, It's crazy. He's always been 6'7", 260 and could run. His highlight tape last year was as good as his highlight tape this year. But it's all about the bridge. He had no opportunity when he got into the program almost a year ago now. And by the time he committed to LSU, the number two ranked team in the country, uh, I think he had somewhere around 20-25 offers. Uh, all Power Five D1. So it's that's what we do here. We're the, it's really the bridge for a reason, and we're hard on our guys, but that's just because I have to vet them for college programs. So uh, congratulations to Cole Taylor. He's going to LSU. Cameron Smith from Legend, the defensive end, outside linebacker, is committed to Wyoming. Brian Crespo, the huge, as big as my door frame, offensive lineman from Pooter, is committed to. Uh, CSU, Reese Atterbury, who, in my opinion, is one of the best offensive linemen I've ever seen in the state of Colorado at the high school level, Uh, is committed to the Michigan Wolverines, Go Blue. Him and Aiden were in here talking shit to each other earlier this morning. It was pretty awesome as Go Blue absolutely whipped Notre Dame's ass last weekend. And Big Rocky, uh, one of our JUCO guys and another one of our distance guys is committed to BYU. Uh, staying with college football, um... I went out to Stanford this last weekend to watch Drake Nugent and Bear Miller play. And Bear, as you know, went to Eagle Crest, Drake went to Highlands Ranch, both guys that were in this program for four years each. And uh, Bear starting as a true freshman at left guard for Stanford, which is a, a feat in itself, and he absolutely balled out. And then Drake is the sixth man, he's the swing guard and center. And he's absolutely killing it. So to see those two young men have as much success as they are having, it really made me like a proud papa. I went out there with Terry Nugent, who's Drake's father, uh, who's, who's probably the best financial advisor in the game over at UBS, works with a bunch of NFL guys. I love Terry. He played up at CSU and, and set many records up there. He's a great dude. And, you know, I, I got a stress fracture in my foot. And, like, it was kind of a shitty weekend because of that. I had to come home early because I was limping around like, Fucking Captain Hook out there, but other than that, it was incredible—just an incredible weekend. And to see my guys having that much success, to say I can't wait for Stanford CU in two weeks—I cannot fucking wait. And it, internally, that's going to be a huge rivalry, so I can't wait to see all the Dungeon family that's up in Boulder and all the Dungeon family that's in Stan- at Stanford on the field together in two weeks. Uh, that said, the bus lose to USC on Friday night. Uh, I was here's a funny story. So we're in. Palo Alto, okay? And this is like smug fucking central, son. I mean, there's money literally falling out of the palm trees. You can just smell the smugness. So we're at uh, 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 Wahlburgers, okay? And Mark Wahlburger, if you're listening, what the fuck, man? So we're at Wahlburgers, and the bu- right when we turn the TV on, the bus score. And they go up, and I'm like, hell yeah, let's go! Buffaloes! And I get all pumped up, and everyone in the place looks at me like I'm a fucking criminal. And they're like, shh! We're eating dinner, and I was blown away. I'm like, "What are wrong with you people? This is a college town." And then the next day, when we went to the game, I found out why they don't give a shit. They have a good football team that's won multiple Pac-12 titles under David Shaw. They have NFL players everywhere, and they got back to four and four. They're probably going to make a bowl game. Hopefully, see who can beat them. But there was nobody there nobody there was nobody in the stadium it was crazy to me it's a beautiful venue it doesn't really look that big but the farm is beautiful it's as big as folsom without the addition on the east side it's a really beautiful venue i wish they could fill it up and find a way to support their team if they didn't have good academics at stanford they would not have a football team i'm telling you because there's zero fucking support although they have really good players that's going to be a damn good game in a couple of weeks uh, but that's neither here nor there. CU ends up losing to SC, and this is how I feel about this. When you're up on an opponent that you've never beat, and I was part of a team that went to SC in 2000, and we lost 17-14, to 14, okay? and then I was also, I was medical redshirted uh, a year that uh, USC came to Folsom in '02, and they beat the fucking bricks off of us on their way to the Rose Bowl, or the Orange Bowl, one of the two. Colorado and SC, this is how I feel about the situation. When you're up that much, you have to close the door. You have to. And it's a teachable moment for leaders like Mustafa and Nate Landman because I bet they're coming back next year. I would say Mustafa's definitely going to come back with the injury. But guys like Lang and, uh, you know, Damian Taylor's gone, unfortunately. He's never going to, he doesn't get a chance back at him Next year in the Coliseum, that's got to fuel their desire to close the door and win that football game. Because, honestly, I think CU's had USC by the balls a couple of times here in the last four or five years. And they let them off the hook an awful lot. You have to climb that mountain. You can't talk about it. And when they're up... And Montez is playing really well at home and, and on national TV after two weeks of just disastrous play and six interceptions and see you looking terrible. Colorado looked really good. They the different football team, very motivated. Guys are flying around. Coach Tucker's hyped. People want to play there. The stadium's full. All right, everything's good. I'd like to think that Montez, if he doesn't get drilled late and his head doesn't ricochet off the ground, I think CU wins that game. Keeping him in the game, I couldn't believe they kept him in the game. Essentially, he turned the wrong way on a couple of handoffs, and I think he screwed up a couple of reads in protection. I don't know that for sure, but it looked to me like he was dazed. Stenstrom came in and had a nice run, and then they took him right out. So obviously, I trust the medical staff up there. They're not going to put him back in if he's not right? If he's concussed, I know McCarty and the docs up there are not going to put him back in, so I have to trust that. So, I don't know, maybe Steven was seeing ghosts after he took that shot the rest of the game because he, it changed. Also, if number two is that dominant for three quarters, how do you not give him the ball at all in the fourth? So, that's that's really my main concern is, if we want to shut the door, I'd like us to be super aggressive on fourth down from now on, especially on the other side of the 50, and always go for it. And, I, you know, I understand Coach Tucker is a defensive-minded head coach, and defensive-minded head coaches punt in that situation. Most everybody punts in that situation. That's not my point. I'm saying in the situation CU is currently in, the fan base and everybody that's been through this long time of suffering as a CU fan or alum or ex-player or whatever – I want to see them go for that. I want to see them go for it at Oregon, I want to see them go for it at Washington State, and I damn sure want to see them go for it at home against USC to win. Now that said, they pick the ball off late or they fall on that fumble, the game's over. Um, But still, you've got to get too involved in the fourth quarter. I don't care if you run Wildcat the whole damn time just to run the clock out. As a guy who, I was on the first team to ever run Wildcat in Miami. And it, even the NFL defenses that entire year, we won the division, one, because Tom Brady didn't play that year, but two, because people were having a hard time figuring it out. Now, when you have a player like two back there, you got to get them the rock. And I think that they will moving forward. I anticipate that they're going to go ball at UCLA and LA, and I would not put it past CU to go out there and get a huge win on the road, and then make that Stanford game for a bowl game, essentially. And then you got to find a way to win some games late in the year against somebody you're probably not supposed to beat, because CU's schedule is pretty rough. But that's the way we like it. We don't like playing cupcakes. So, am I disappointed? Shit, yeah, I'm disappointed, man. But... I also believe in Coach Tucker, and I believe in Coach Shiv, and I believe in what they're doing up there. I believe in Coach Cap, Coach Jimmy B, the D line coach. I think they're on the right path to success. They're playing a ton of young guys, and they're trying to change the culture. Buffalo Nation, Country, whatever you want to call it, Buffalo, Buff fans, please calm down with the negativity. Because they are really trying to build something. And I don't think you understand just how bad it was up there for a long time. Rick George has got his guy in the building. Mel Tucker is damn sure the right guy for this job. I just hope he stays here once we start winning. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, once he gets his guys in the room and that culture change stays consistent and the guys buy in and keep buying in, they are going to be fucking running people. I anticipate Lewis, the quarterback from Texas, is going to be awesome. He's early enrolling also in January. So I, I'm i very excited about the future of the Colorado Buffaloes. Do I want them to beat SC? Obviously. But look, it just adds more fuel to the fire and makes me disdain them any more, even more. So if I'm Colorado, I'm tagging SC, our rival again. Just I'm repeating Bill McCartney. I'm tagging SC, the rival, and I'm chasing these sons of bitches until the end of the earth to to beat them consistently. Utah can can make up the rivalry of Utah all they want, it's not the rivalry. okay? So if we're going to say that we don't have a rival in the Pac-12, well damn it, peg the Trojans as your fucking rival and let's go chase these sons of bitches down and get it done. Go Buffs! Beat UCLA! Now, moving forward, remember that all of our Buff talk is brought to you by our good friends at 10th and Uni. Go to 10thanduni.com, use the promo code BUFFCLUB and they will get you hooked. Okay, remember, you can also ask questions and check out what we do here at the gym at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and then at DNVR Unchained uh, for the show. We are in Six Zero Studios right now over in the lab. Uh, we're about to get the top six done today. The weather this week kind of slowed everything down. So we'll have the top six for Colts Broncos done today and it will be up at thednvr.com. So make sure you go check out that if you're looking for some knowledge. I can't say it's going to be very kind to 72, but when am I ever? Um, and remember to always go and and vote for coach of the year in the high school ranks, the high school coach of the year at shop Honda slash vote, uh, and uh, support the great high school coaches in the community or nominate somebody for coach of the year. Okay. So world series last night, game seven. Uh, I'm not going to talk a ton about baseball, but I have to at least comment on it. Hell of a series. All the road to te- the road teams won every single game. No one's ever run won four road playoff games to win the World Series before. So you saw it was history last night. The Nats get rid of Bryce Harper and end up winning it all. Funny how that worked. Um, and, and on top of all that, on top of all that, okay, it's you know it, it. The World Series is awesome. I can't stand you know unless I'm going to the game. I can't really stand. Baseball in the regular season, I think it's super repetitive and boring and it's something good to fall asleep to in the summer when the air conditioning on and my fat ass is on the sofa. But Major League Baseball in the playoffs and as they get deeper, the ALCS, NLCS and the World Series is incredible. And watching the best arms in the world compete and watching elite hitters compete watching guys you know the art form that is baseball I love it I absolutely love the playoffs and the World Series was incredible this year again I love game sevens and congratulations to the Nationals man that's huge four wins in the playoffs on the road has never been done, and you damn sure deserve that. So the people in D.C. This is the first Major League Baseball title anybody's ever seen. The last one was in 1924 to the Washington Senators, and then they moved to Montreal You know, whenever they moved, and then they moved back to Washington, and they just won. So I'm glad D.C. got another title. Good for them. Uh, the Redskins, you'll never win another title until you change your racist-ass fucking name. So maybe you should just change it to the Washington Reds or the Washington Skins, and then we can just make circumcision jokes for fucking ever. <clears throat> so, so pretty, vault that one up. Alley-oop that so we can fucking make fun of you. <clears throat> that said, uh, the baseball's over, thank God, and we can start focusing on basketball and the halfway point of the NFL season. Okay, so the NCAA came out and essentially said that they're supporting the likeness, image, and name rule, the NLI, and... I agree with Jeremy Bloom, Joel Klatt, you know, everybody they got on ESPN. I think it's a, I think, I, I don't trust the NCAA as far as I can throw them. I deal with this with recruiting all the time. You know, the turning college football into a hobby is not productive. Paying the coaches an exuberant amount of money and letting them leave whenever they want and change jobs whenever they want. But the kids have no fucking rights and they're broke and they can't support themselves. That's not right. And, it, and people know it's not right and it's changing. The NCAA a month ago came out and said that this was something they couldn't overcome and it was going to destroy college football essentially. And a month fucking later, they adopt it and say it's good for college football and they're going to run with it. I just, look, I don't trust them as far as I could throw them. I was on the team with Bloom when they told him he couldn't play anymore because he's good at skiing. I mean, what the fuck, man? The guy can't make any money off of his own name and likeness? And then he ended up going to the NFL anyway, and we didn't get him for two years. I think that that was a major problem for our football team. Imagine if Jeremy Bloom would have been there in in 2004, and maybe we would have had a deep threat. We won the Big 12 North. We played for the Big 12 title. Imagine if he was on the team. He's a fucking game changer. I've never seen anybody in my life run like J.B. Rand. And in 0-2, when he ran away from Terrence Newman in Folsom and Hodge hit him for 90 yards to really set that game off, Kansas State and Colorado. That, that, he's running away from Terrence Newman. Terrence Newman can flat fly. So, the NCAA, I think that they've, personally, I think the NCAA should be paying rep, reparations to ex-players. I mean, when this goes through and guys start getting paid... How much revenue was lost, you know, for ex-players back in the day? How much money could Chris Brown have made? How much money could fucking Pesaveno have made that year? How much money could Dan Graham have made in college? You know, does Chris Brown stay his senior year if he doesn't have to leave? Do guys stay and develop if they don't have to leave? At some point, the NCAA has to make this right with everybody, not just the current players. I mean, they pretty much fucking scammed everyone forever and made you think that a scholarship check is is somehow even with the revenue that's being brought in. It's not even close! And honestly, I prefer them to just set it up and teach me financial literacy, something I still struggle with. Teach me financial literacy when I'm 18 years old. Give me the check. Make me pay for everything. So if I run out of money, it's my own damn fault. Make me pay for my classes. I guarantee you I would have gone. You really maximize things when you have to pay out of your own pocket. When it's a gift, people don't respect gifts until it's taken from them. And that's what happened with me, and it's what happens with tons of kids. So I don't trust the NCAA as far as I can throw them. I'm glad that their head is somehow peeking out of their ass, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just trying to set kids up just to fucking dupe them and suspend them. So, the NCAA needs to go the fuck away. They need to go to 80 teams immediately and get rid of these idiots because they're just going to figure out a way to restrict how much money you can make in college. All the guys talking on, all the talking heads on ESPN that are are with this to a point, I heard fucking Mitt Romney, okay? Mitt Romney makes, we'll put it like this. Mitt Romney is probably worth $500 million. So, I appreciate him going on ESPN and talking about how kids deserve to get paid and, you know, all that. But for him to say also in the interview, Well, we can't have one kid driving around in a Lamborghini really rubbing it in the faces of others. Bitch, you've got $500 million, dude. You rub it in the face of everybody. Everyone knows you're paid. Why can't somebody else get some cheese? Like I think it's anti-American to restrict earning potential. When you're 17, 18 years old and you get to college... And you help that university earn conference championships and ticket sales and jersey sales and beer money and fucking popcorn and all this other bullshit and all the TV revenue and you get an $800 stipend? If you're educated in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. And if you're a dumb motherfucker and you actually think that $800 a month is is somehow equal to what you should be bringing in, even at the worst Division One school in the country, You should be getting more than that. Even the worst player on the roster, acting like we can't figure out in a capitalistic country that based on capitalism and making fucking money, you can't figure out a way to pay everybody on the roster. Give me a break. Give me a break. You actually want me to believe that? So look, restricting earning potential is anti-American. If you get into the college football and your name and likeness blows up, go make your fucking bread. No one's going to be a hater. This assumption that people are going to be resentful to people making money is disrespectful in my opinion. Like, are you kidding me? People aren't aren't mentally secure enough to handle their own emotions when someone else gets theirs? What? Are you telling me that every millennial on earth is just the biggest fucking hater alive? And they're going to be so, so upset emotionally that someone on campus is driving a nice car they're already driving nice cars they're already paying them under the table you actually think they're fucking playing by the rules in the sec going after these five-star kids no way come on quit being fucking naive the ncaa just looks at this as an opportunity to get their peace Just like all the senators and congressmen, they're like, oh, well, it's got to be a taxable income. Okay, then tax it. Fuck. I'm just, look, man, if I'm fired up, it's because I think the NCAA does more to restrict the growth of student-athletes than help it. I can't tell you one time the NCAA ever helped me. When I got sued for downloading music, did the NCAA come to help me? Fuck no, they didn't come to help me. There's no uh, no student-athlete union. There should be, but there's not one. You want your piece of the pie, kids? Stop playing. Everybody this weekend, go over to the other team, lock arms with your with the guy you're about to play and sit the fuck down and watch everybody lose their minds and all their money, and I bet you you're at the negotiating table the next day. Just saying. So, we'll see what happens with the NCAA, but to be completely honest with you as a guy that helps kids get recruited and and tries to shine a positive light on the system number one they miss kids constantly and they give free school to people all the time that don't deserve it and then they make people walk on that they actually should be offering so that's one problem with the system but number two this system is set up for people to have to cheat to get by if they don't change it what do you expect you expect guys not to fucking eat and take care of their families you expect them not to take money from an agent if they don't have any I mean, people out here criticizing student-athletes for wanting to get paid, move to fucking Russia. Go move into Putin's fucking basement, you commie motherfucker, or go to Nebraska. That's communist land. I'm just saying, man, I can't get behind that shit. And look, The Departed is one of my favorite movies ever. And there's a the French, Mr. French, the number two for Jack Nicholson's character in that movie, is a is a fucking gangster ass dude. And he walks in, he's fleecing this fucking bookie, right? And he, he grabs him, and throws him on the ground, smacks him in his fucking face with his thirty-eight and goes. What's the problem? You can't make money? And he goes, $2,000 a week. I have no revenue. I pay him. Uh, uh, I I, I have a good month. I pay him. And he says, what? This is America. If you can't make money in America, you're a fucking douchebag. And that's how I feel. And you're making all the players douchebags by not paying them what they're worth. This name, image, and likeness shit? Come on, man. What, four or five kids on each team is going to be able to get a little bit of a check? And all the agents and everybody, it's just an opportunity to go feast on them because they don't know what they're doing anyway. I I can't tell you how many kids I work with that sign up with an agent and just say yes sir to everything. The agent works for you. He takes 3% of your check. Stop acting like he's doing you a favor. He works for you. And it's just going to open up more opportunity for kids to get fucked because the NCAA never ever, ever informs them of what this really is. There should be a student-athlete union immediately. Every player that's under scholarship should be getting paid. And after that, if you're a walk-on, you should be able to go have nine fucking jobs if you want to. Shouldn't matter. There should be an opportunity. If you really want to even it out, put everybody on walk-on status and make them earn their goddamn scholarship money when they get there. All this gifting of shit. It's why college football, it's why everybody transfers, and why everybody thinks they deserve some shit, and why guys get to college and they mentally go into a fucking hole because they actually have to work and earn something. Oh my God, you mean I actually have to beat somebody out? Yeah, we we fucking recruited more than just you. So, I hope that this moves forward productively and guys start getting paid, but I would not put it past the NCAA to fuck everybody, so just keep that in mind. Okay, moving forward. National Football League, a couple of things. Trade deadline. Before we talk about the Broncos. The Rams get Jalen Ramsey and it was a huge move. They gave up a lot, but then they traded Tlaib to the Knights the Watch or the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, so uh, can you imagine how much of a turd Tlaib is going to be in Miami? Like, if you want to watch somebody not give a flying fuck about football, watch Akeem Tlaib play for the Dolphins the rest of the year. I would bet, I'll bet my pinky, that he loafs and doesn't give a shit and he's not real big on tackling people. Because they're not going to bring him back next year. He's there to get, you know, he got offloaded and got totally screwed by McVay to go to the Night's Watch. I mean the Miami Dolphins. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I just thought it was hilarious. So I think the Rams will get better with Jalen Ramsey. But then again, Jalen... How long is it before you're upset there that they're not, you know, blowing you every five seconds from a different angle? I mean, good God, dude. How, what else do you need to be successful, bro? I, I bet you within a month he's complaining about not having a contract extension because he bitches about everything. That's what he is. He's a bitch. Um, and speaking of bitches, uh, look, I love Allen, the safety for the Jets. I think he's a great player, but his attitude as an ex-Jet, nobody, okay? I, I just played there. I was there for three years, it was cool, whatever. They switched positions, I developed, and then they cut me. So it's not like I have a whole lot to say here, who gives a fuck what I think. But I'll say this, no one cares, Adams, sorry, not Alan Adams, I don't even know his name, that's my point. No one cares. Like, you're a first round safety, you were the third or fourth pick of the draft, you are setting yourself up for a massive payday, if you actually think people are upset. And like agreeing with you as you complain about literally fucking everything that's going on on a terrible football team. We know you suck. We get it. Stop bitching. Work for it. Just shut the fuck up. We know you like football. We get it. You tell us every five minutes. I hope you like it. You were the fourth pick. Third pick. Whatever. We know you're passionate. We get it. But don't act like guys can't call your GM and see if you're available on a one in six football team at the trade deadline. You're going to get mad at the the fucking guy for picking up the phone what is your is your gm gene gray or professor xavier is he just supposed to know oh shit in 30 seconds the fucking cowboys are going to call me about Adams. i better not pick up the phone are you serious with this like you're really complaining about this i understand you're passionate and shit and i get all that but this doesn't sound like passion this sounds stupid to me dude you're a multimillionaire. you play for a, a fucking franchise that is dysfunctional as hell, bad. They're deficient in the offensive line, they're deficient at corner and they're deficient at pass rush. You can't really expect them to be competitive and how are they supposed to improve if they don't field phone calls? In my opinion, the Jets should just trade you and get a ton of fucking picks so they can rebuild because there's no way you're going to stay there for the long run. You can talk about being a Jet for life and you love them and all this shit. But in the long run, when you hit free agency, you're going to go to a place that you think can contend because you've been at a place that's lost. That's all I'm saying. So I'm tired of the, you know, complaining about being in the NFL. Shut up. Not that it matters. Now, the Denver Broncos. Before we talk about your Denver Broncos, Broncos country. I want to let you know, on episode 55, we're going to have Andrew Mason and the great Steve Atwater, the GOAT, number 27, the best strong safety in NFL history, and definitely Broncos history. They'll be in here next Thursday, a week from today. Uh, The snow and the conditions this week made us push to next Thursday, so we'll be evaluating the Bronco-Brown game and talking about the future of the Broncos as they go into their bye week and, you know, what they need to do with Drew Locke moving forward and whatnot. We're going to focus now on Allen, the quarterback that's getting the opportunity, and when we're talking about the Denver Broncos, remember to go to 60strength.com and check out where the Broncos train. There's guys out there right now getting down, getting better. That's the banging around and the noise you hear in the background. This is 60 Studios inside 60 Strength and Fitness Football Academy. So, you know, the, the guys, Connor McGovern and Leary and Reisner and Elijah Wilkinson, all those guys that have put in, Austin Slotman, that put in all that time in here they are doing well, I commend you. 72, you make me sick, bro. And on the top six today, we're going to talk about why. But I'm just, I'm over it. And I I can't get behind it anymore. And I I feel like you either have blackmailing Mr. Elway or, I I don't know. But Jawan James going down means you're going to play more. And that's, I guess it is what it is. I'm not even really, after this week... After the Cleveland game, depending on what, I mean, I, I don't know. I just kind of want to shell 72 and not talk about him anymore. So, after the Turd game, I'm not going to talk about Captain Turd anymore. That said, Broncos go to Indy. They lead the whole game. At one point, they're up 13-3. And they end up losing 15-13. Uh, Joe Flacco afterwards gets up at the podium. You know, obviously upset. Flacco gets up there. And, you know, people are saying, well, how's he standing with a herniated disc in his neck? I have three herniated discs in my neck right now. It hurts like hell, and it's annoying, but you can stand. I mean, unless it just happened, and he'd been dealing with it for a couple of weeks. He gets up there and says, why aren't we going for it? What do we, What are we? you know, what do we have to lose? Nothing. We're two and six. And then he gets benched. I find that very... Uh, a little little concerning that maybe anybody that speaks either gets traded Emmanuel or benched Joe Flacco. And I know he's hurt, but I think I find it a little too convenient to say that. So when you talk about the Broncos and Allen getting this opportunity, he's a 6 rounder from Arkansas. Um everybody's saying good things, but what do you expect them to say? I mean, Chris Harris Jr. saying we're not gonna judge him off scout team. I am, because he's gonna play against the ones this weekend. With Cleveland. And, you know, if he's the scout team quarterback and he's getting his ass kicked by the Broncos starters, Cleveland's not as good, but they're still starters. So, I'll judge Brandon Allen off of fucking scout team quick. And for here to hear that from Harris, one of two things are going to happen. I don't think you're going to get a middle of the road, 15 for 20, one touchdown, 200 yards. I think you're going to get like 9 for 30 with four picks. Or... 19 for 24, like 25 for 34, for like 400 yards and four touchdowns. I think he's either going to explode or just Peterman. He's either going to fucking take off and just blow up like the kid that's down in Carolina did and we win five in a row out of nowhere, or he's just going to Nate Peterman into the fucking turf. And I really hope, hope he does well. I would like nothing more than to have the quarterback controversy moving forward, Allen and Locke. Rather than Flacco and Locke. Because I I think Joe Flacco's a good pro. He's won a Super Bowl, he's an MVP, all that shit. It's all great. But his time in Denver is done. I don't think you'll ever see him take another snap for the Broncos again. And I wouldn't be surprised when he's healthy if they just cut him out right. Because then I, I'm pretty sure it changes how they pay him next year. So renegotiating Flacco's contract is ridiculous. Why the fuck did they do that? Why? I understand you wanted to get some more money now, but now you owe him $18 million bucks next year, and I hope you can get out of it somehow. I don't know how, but I hope. So the Broncos' defense played awesome. I mean, I'm glad Chris Harris is still here. I hope they can resign him. I don't know if they will, but I hope they can keep him here. Vaughn was incredible until the end of the game. I'm not going to be too hard on 58 for missing the tackle. Everybody misses tackles. The Wolf situation with the hold, yeah, you could call holding there, but you also couldn't. As an ex-defensive lineman and offensive lineman, the breastplate's there. If my hands are inside, even if you reach, it's not really going to get called. If my hands are outside the cylinder and on your shoulders, it's going to get called, Garrett. So, it could have been called, but it wasn't. Broncos aren't getting a lot of calls this year, to say the least. Like we said, the top six is going to be up today. Allie's on her way right now, and we're going to get that, bang that out, and that'll be up at thednvr.com. So, where do the Broncos go from here? The season's over, okay? I want to see as many young guys as possible. And on top of that, I want, I really, really, really want them to re-sign Connor McGovern, like, to the point where I'm going to start a fucking petition, maybe. I don't know. But I'm not going to do shit, but just hope, but... I hope, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I, I'm against picketing, I just don't know how to show it. I would go picket for him, but I'm so against it, I don't know how to show it. Um, I, I'd like for them to re-sign 60 because then you can build around him. Reisner and G- Connor play against, uh, next to each other for a long time. Build that continuity. You're not going to find somebody better in the draft. No fucking way. And he is a worker and he has developed himself into a damn good football player. And you've got to keep him. You've got to keep him. Juwan James, the situation sucks, dude sucks i am i feel bad for juan james literally i feel terrible for him i'm i'm a guy who couldn't stay healthy every time i got an opportunity something else happened and you know anybody that wants to talk shit about juan please come come voice that stupid ass opinion to me because it's not a choice he's not choosing to get hurt his body's failing him and we worked really hard, NFL football players, to get to the point where we can compete. And when you're always working to get healthy, you lose the opportunity to improve. And thats I hope that doesn't happen with J.J. Because he's a hell of a talent. And we need him healthy because we got to get rid of Bulls. And I need to see if Wilkinson can play left tackle the way he did in camp. So, you know, it it's bad. And I feel really bad for Juwan James and I hope. I hope and pray that he can get it right and everything can move forward and he can be healthy as we progress here uh, with the Denver Broncos. So the Broncos and the Browns play Sunday and then the Broncos hit the bye week. Like I said, we'll have Andrew Mason, the great Andrew Mason from the DNBR.com. And then the GOAT, Mr. Steve Atwater, will be here on Thursday in studio doing the show with me, so I'm excited about that. We'll talk about the Brown game and wrap up in the bye week. But I, I, can't, I, I can't pick the Browns. I can't do it. So I'm picking the Broncos to get a huge win going into the bye. It's not a huge win, but it's a good win. And I think Allen is going to absolutely ball, and I think he's going to outshine Baker Mayfield. I think the Broncos' defense is going to absolutely pick on Baker. I think they're going to pass rush ass to death. Vaughn's going to go off. He's going to be really pissed off, and a pissed-off 58 is a good thing. And, you know, Kareem Kareem Jackson and Chris Harris and Simmons, who you got to lock down as well, you know, they're going to be opportunistic and this defense is real. And if they can get any support from Allen in the offense, they're going to win the fucking game. And I think that that's the way it works every week. If the offense can figure out a way to support this football team, they're going to win, period. And if they can't, they're going to continue to lose, period. And there is no ifs, ands, or buts about this shit. This is just what it is. I want everybody to listen to a couple of numbers, okay? And then we're going to wrap the show up and move on. Because I, I don't want to linger on negativity all day. This shit drives me fucking crazy. Trying to be positive as possible as people get better in the background. Here at 60Strike. Check out, check out 60Strike.com. Okay? I'm going to find this. I, I took a picture of this on uh, Twitter. It's some numbers. All right? In the last 17 games, the Broncos have averaged 19 points a game. That is 20 or that is 30th in the NFL and over that time. So over a season, they've averaged 19 points a game. Or shit, excuse me. Since winning the Super Bowl, the Broncos have scored one thousand seventy eight, 1,076 points. That's 56 games, okay? That's 19 points a game. It's 29th worst during that time frame. Miami, Cleveland, and the Jets are, only, are the three that are worst. That's three and a half seasons of football. They've got to fix this shit. They've got to, and it starts with the left tackle. Starts with the left. T- I just now got a, a text. Why hasn't seventy-two come to work with you? LOL from Coach Corey. Ask you on DM. No bullshit. Nine nineteen a.m. during doing the podcast, talking about seventy-two. Corey's not listening. It's not live, and he's asking me why seventy-two isn't here to work. This is why, Corey. 72 doesn't come to work at 6-0. He came one time. I constructively criticized one thing he did. He got really emotional about it and never came back. I would think that he thinks he's doing a good job. Probably doesn't think I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And I'm sure he can find somebody out there in the world that will agree with him. Because there's if anybody has anything against this place, they either have an agenda or they're a competitor. Period. You know, I forever I was closing, we're still here. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, like, you're going to close down. And I'm like, I'm not fucking going anywhere. You're going to have to drag me out of here on a goddamn rail. I fight for what I believe in. You'll literally have to kill me to get rid of my ass. So, why doesn't he come? Because I think he's mentally compromised. I think he's a window licker, and I don't think he understands what it takes to be successful in this league. And he thinks people owe him something. He thinks the refs are after him. And he thinks he's right. And I can't do anything with anybody who doesn't think that they're ever wrong. If you're never going to admit that you need to get better, you're always going to get worse. And that's a fucking fact in this league. I can't tell you how many guys I talk to that are in the the NFL. Or, you know, Casey Tucker, who, who was in here for about a week and a half and just signed with the Lions yesterday. Congratulations, Casey. But I was talking to him about this. And Big Sayo, who's out here working right now looking for an opportunity with the Saints, or Sam Jones that went to Arizona, or Ben Garland and all his years of development, or Ryan Jensen and everything he had to go through in Baltimore before he got his big contract in security. The lack of development in the NFL is a massive problem. And when you have Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper and they can't fix Garrett Bowles, he's unfixable. He doesn't want to improve. He just wants to get paid. He doesn't care. And I'd stand by that shit and he was sitting in here. I'd tell him that. But he can improve. He can get better. If he'll just put his guard down and accept coaching, he could get better. I guess we'll see. I guess that's the long answer to a short question, Corey. So you're going to have to listen to the show. Uh, this is episode 54, McChesney Unchained, coming to you from 60 Studios here at 60 Strength and Fitness, 60 Football Academy, aka the bridge, where the Dungeon Family gets its work in. Check it out at 60Strength.com or at 60 Academy on Twitter and Instagram. And then at the DNVR Unchained on Twitter as well. And you can ask any questions. We got the top six coming up here shortly. And uh, remember to go to Shop Honda slash vote and vote for Coach of the Year. In, in the high school ranks or nominate a coach. Uh, thank you very much for listening to episode 54. Remember, episode 55 will be coming to you next Thursday from the 6-0 studios here with the great Andrew Mason and the GOAT, number 27, the strong safety, uh, the, the world-famous strong safety for your Denver Broncos, Mr. Steve Atwater, who should be in the Hall of Fame, no doubt, will be in here next Thursday. Folks, thanks for listening. Go, Bron- go Buffs, go Broncos, and have a great weekend. Happy Halloween.